Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, it is really fun to see everybody here. I know it's not as many chairs between you and the people next to you as you're accustomed to, but um, I think it's okay. We can be a little snuggly for a while, like I keep saying. Um, and I also sent out the, the newsletter that's going to be going out every month. Sent it out yesterday. It goes through the Realm. If you didn't get that, uh, check your email settings on the Realm, or if you're not on the Realm, there are some copies in the back of that printed, so as you walk out, you can grab those if you would like. Uh, as Dan said earlier, we are in Revelation chapter 6, um, and today is a, an interesting one. The first of the three full, or the first of the third sevenfold visions. So there's going to be these three sevenfold visions. First we get the, the seals, then we got trumpets, then we got bowls of incense or censers, if you will. And they all kind of say the same thing in, in different ways. Um, but don't worry, it's not going to be too repetitive. It's, it's the same thing in different ways that brings to us different understanding. Um, today's reading is kind of long, so we're going to stay seated for it. Um, but this is the one that I, I think a lot of us are aware of, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've heard this, I'm sure, in, in countless movies and such like that. Well, um, it's going to be a little bit different than the movies portray it. So let's go to Revelation 6, if you have that on an app, your Bible, or on this in this little nifty um, printout, uh, I'm sorry, note-taking Bible that we gave to you. We're going to open that up now. 6, verse 1. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come. And behold, I looked, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword, and with famine, and with pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth." When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruits when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. 
than the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let me start by saying um, the next text in, in Revelation chapter 7 gives us a bit of a happy ending. <laughs> We're not there yet. <laughs> so, so don't get bummed out because in, in our text today, man, we hear some really tough stuff that's, that's happening and going to continue to happen. Um, that next text is glorious. In fact, it's kind of an interlude, if you will, this, this pause in the visioning to say, but also the Lord says, I have these, these ones are reserved for me. That's good news. But there's actually plenty of good news in our text this morning, because if, if you missed last Sunday, if, if you haven't been following along online, the, the vision right now, there's, there's the Lamb of God who appears to have been slain, right? We know that's Jesus, and he's holding a scroll in his hand, and it's a scroll that's written on both sides, which is really a unique thing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that necessarily, but it's, it's to tell us that it is all of human history, and when I say human history, I want to be clear about this. I mean the stuff that has already happened, the stuff that's happening right now, and the stuff that's yet to come. You might think, but that, that's not history, that's future. Not to God, it's not. <laughs> to God, all things are known and understood. So from the perspective of this vision, this is all of the things that ever happened, are happening, or ever will happen, and they are right there in the palm of Jesus. So we said how there's, there's great comfort in that because Jesus has all of human history, uh, past, present, and future, in the palm of his hand, but now he's going to open these seals, and we see these, these four horsemen and the saints and then this, this cataclysmic end. But what's, what's kind of interesting and I think actually a little bit comforting in our text is that apparently you can boil all of human history down to just these three things, right? Ponies, saints, the end. <laughs> That's it. Ponies, saints, the end. Ta-da, end of sermon. Finished early. Look at that. Isn't that nice? Some of you are a little bit too happy about that. Hang on. All right. No, but this is, this is truly all of human history is, is what we're going to see. If, if you were going to boil it all down from the perspective of God, one of the ways we might see it is, is just that. Ponies, the saints, and then he's going to come back at the end. But because, of course, we have time to, to hear and understand and, and to read and to discern, there's so much more in here. So we're going we're gonna to start with our ponies. You'll notice that the first pony that comes out is this white pony. The white pony, the white horse that comes out, this symbolizes for us tyranny, or especially military tyranny, if you will. And again, if you have these guys right here, you can look in the front. The four horsemen are listed right there. This is any kind of tyranny. We've got this rider. He's got a, a bow and a crown. He goes out to conquer. And we can look throughout all of history, even today, those governments that are going to conquer other people. But there's, there's more to it than just that. There's more to it than just military might. It is anything that is to be tyrannical over people. That can be certain sets of, of customs or cultures or economies. 
Even in your workplace, if you've ever, I mean, everybody thinks they work for a tyrannical boss, right? Um, nobody here does, because I am the boss here, right? Dan, <laughs> better not think this. Everybody thinks they work for a tyrannical, but if you maybe have had a tyrannical boss, and, and whatever that means in, in your workplace, or, or just felt that you've been oppressed in some way that is, that is outlandish, we can apply this to our white horse. Our, our second pony here is our red pony. The red horse comes out, and it's, it's killing, and it's unlawful killing. And this isn't those, those just cases of, of whether that is um, the, the military going out or, or anything like that. This is the unlawful just killing of other people. As Dan covered in, in the text or in the confession earlier, when we talked about thou shalt not kill. It's not just the literal physical killing, although there's, let's be honest, plenty of that. And it's, for, we are fortunate to live in Des Moines where there's less of that. But around the world, there's lots of killing that is unjust and unlawful. And then we've got the black pony. Famine, hunger, inequality. That's the one who is holding the scales. And the scales are not fair, not balanced. I've always thought that that's a, it's an interesting take on hunger around the world. It isn't that there isn't enough food. <laughs> I mean, most of us in this room will probably throw some food away today. It's distribution. And then our, our last pony, this one, by the way, annoys me. It's translated in like every text as the pale horse, but if you are taking notes, it's a green horse. I, I, I don't know exactly the reason. Maybe it was the Clint Eastwood movie. They were like, well, I guess we got to call it the pale horse now. But no, it's, it's actually green. The, the Greek word here is chloros, which we, we would get chlorophyll from. It's that sort of like a palish green. Um, and, and we actually can cross-reference that. I'm getting a little nerdy here. But we can cross-reference that to its use um, by this guy named Hippocrates, who you've probably heard of, and he's used it before. And, and so we know what this color is. It gets, it gets translated as, as pale, I think, because it's death, and that death pallor. But that, that pale green also has that sense of being really sickly and about to die. So what do our ponies mean? What is, what is it that John is seeing? Well, the, the first seals are simply the Lord saying, this is what has always been the case and will always be the case. There is always going to be tyranny in the world. There are always going to be those who look to conquer you in some way, shape, or form. There is always going to be killing that is, that is unjust. There's always going to be inequality and unfairness in this world, and it will always be followed by death. Death sort of follows in the wake of all of these things. Well, of course we can summarize human history like that, right? <laughs> it's always been that way. I know there's people who, who like to believe that today is, is worse than it, than it was in the past, but the, the honest truth is, no, it's not. I mean, I've talked about this in, in Bible studies. You can just go back to Genghis Khan and be like, wow, that is the, the quintessential example of tyranny and, and unjust murder and, and all of the atrocities went along with that and, and all of the, the famine and pestilence that followed and the death that he left in his wake. They say he actually changed the carbon footprint of the planet by the number of people who were removed from this earth because of him. 
I don't know if that's true, but they do say that. <laughs> so you can Google fact check me and it's close enough. What are we saying though? Is, is this is the way it is, but it's also the way it's going to be. And that's a frustrating thing for Christians and, and for those who desire for a moral and, and peaceful world. Now, I'm, I'm going to end this sermon once we get to the end, which is the end of the sermon, by saying this is not fatalism or determinism. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't war against it, but rather what we learn from this text is that Jesus is allowing this. He's the one who breaks the seal. But that's different from being the one who causes it. That's a, that's a very distinct difference, and, it, and we need to note that Jesus is the one, God truly is the one that is allowing these things to happen, and we get frustrated, and we, we say, why, Lord, why would you allow all of these terrible things to happen to our planet, to happen to the people of this planet? Why would you allow these things in, in the world? Why not just put a stop to all of them? And, and here's the thing, I, I, I've, if you want to write something down, write this down. I, I spent lots and lots of time trying to come up with, with something for the, the Thursday morning ladies Bible study, and I was, we are going to tackle a really tough topic in there, and I was like banging my head against it and figuring it out, and, and, and I came up with a phrase that I think is useful when we, we start looking at why when it comes to God, which is good answers don't satisfy some of the ladies are looking at me, and they're already grumpy at me. <laughs> well, Lynn's always grumpy, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> good answers don't satisfy, but satisfying answers aren't good. What do I mean by that? What's a good answer? A good answer, I can go to the scriptures and say, this is a good answer, and I can tell you it's a good answer because the scripture says, and that means it's good. But oftentimes, it doesn't satisfy us because we say, what... I don't like that answer. I, I, don't, I don't love that answer. Because oftentimes when I say, I'm going to give you a good answer, the good answer is, I don't know, because it's not in Scripture. And that's the least satisfying answer you can ever give anybody. Is, I don't know. Literally no information is transferred between people, and that is very unsatisfying. But those answers that satisfy us aren't good. Those answers about the things that we don't understand and that aren't in the scriptures are literally based on our thoughts, our beliefs, our hopes. In other words, they're based on sinners. So they're not going to be good because we are at our core the people affected by the four horsemen. We contain that in each and every one of us. The desire to be tyrannical over people. We war against it, and we absolutely should war against it, but there is always that, that feeling, right? And, and it comes out a lot when we see things like ta toxic masculinity, which is a whole other topic to talk about, but, but that desire on the basketball court for, for Pastor Ban Dan to dunk on somebody, right? You could do that, right? Not today. <laughs> Not happening now, right? That, that, that desire to, to overwhelm somebody, the desire to beat somebody in a competition, to do better than coworkers, all of that. There's, there's tyranny in us, every single one of us. 
There is the killing, as we talked about with that commandment. If you have anger and hatred in your heart for somebody, Jesus tells us it's the same sin. That's inside of us. We have that inequity. Every time we want to take a little bit more for ourselves, even when we justify it and say for our families, we've got that horse in us too. So this isn't a we don't have a horse in that race moment. This is we are all of the horses in that race, most clearly the one that is death. Because death is in all of us. Death follows us literally all the way to the grave. So when Jesus is opening these these seals, he's revealing to us this is the nature of fallen, sinful humanity. That's what these horsemen are. Now, there are those who are better organized and well-funded who can do things like invade other countries with, with warfare machines, but that doesn't change the fact that each and every one of us has this inside of us. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as as we're looking at this, this is not something for us to defeat. As I said, this this is not fatalistic. This is, is, it's not like since we can't beat it, oh, what are we going to do? No, this is the great battle that we have as Christians, is to war against these things, knowing that we can't defeat them, but recognizing first and foremost the way this works is the Lord defeats those things inside of us. The Lord himself addresses the the four horsemen, not of the apocalypse, but of the Pastor Luke, of, of all, each and every one of you, the Lord is the one who takes the action against those, those examples of sin and death that live in each and every one of us. It's, it's the gospel. We know, we know this message, right? He does what we can't do. He gives himself on a cross, bears the sin of the world, all of that sin of all of the horsemen that lives in all, each and every one of us. He bears that on himself, And then he forgives our sins. And so we go from the recognition that this sin is out there in the world and it's inside of me, these ponies that are running around in each and every one of us, we now consider things differently as the saints. So all of human history, ponies. And then let's look at God's kingdom, his saints. The saints... And I want to make sure because I think I have a text here. Revelation chapter 6, verse 10. The saints cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? The, the saints are crying out from under the altar. These are those who have indeed lost their lives because of the gospel, but it's even more than that because later the voice says to the saints, your brothers, your compadres, those who are going to, to follow you, but also those who, who don't lose their, their life for the faith, but those who simply have gone in death in the faith. This is all of those that we know and love that have eternal life are crying this out right now. What on earth does that mean? That while all of this sin is happening, 
These saints are crying out. It means the saints of God, those, those who are there present in heaven, but also us, the, the pre-dead saints. <laughs> we should all be crying out, how long, O Lord, before you return and put an end to this? You know, we pray that every Sunday when we pray, thy kingdom come. We're not just praying about the kingdom of God here at Living Faith. You know, God's kingdom moves and and does amazing things here with our congregation. We're literally praying for the return of Jesus because we recognize that's the only thing that will put a stop to this. The only thing that will end All of the sinful turmoil, the tribulations, the the things in this world, the only thing that will put an end to this is the return of Jesus himself. And the voice is so kind. It, It says to the saints, just a little while longer. Blankets them in a white robe and says, remember who you are. You are the one forgiven. You are the one who wears the the robe that that signifies as perfected, the one who conquers, right? But but not conquering in in a bad way like the the white horse, but conquering death. Those, Those saints, your loved ones who've gone before you, you yourself will be given the conquering robe of righteousness. In fact, it's already been given to you. This is why when we have a baptism, that baby is, is wrapped in, in white traditional. It doesn't always happen. It's fine. But that's, that, that white robe that that baby is wearing is signifying that it's happening today. In baptism, God crowns us victorious, not over cities, states, nations, uh, problems, companies, all those issues. He doesn't crown us conquerors over all of those things. He crowns us conquerors over eternal death. And so those in the white robe are crying out, not that the Lord would put a terrible end to all of those bad people. (laughs) No. They cry out the way we cry out, Lord, Put an end to this sin. Put an end to the suffering. Put an end to the pain and the sorrow and all of those those things that plague humanity. Lord, put an end to it. And it's instructive because it's in that passive. The saints themselves know they can't do it. That's, That's the most beautiful part of this text is that the Lord himself is the only one who is able to put an end to the sin that is in this world in the same way that it's not up to the saints that the Lord would reach down and save them, to grant them faith, to rescue them from this and and allow them to live there in, in eternity with him, raised on the last day for eternal life. We are far more observers in this world than I think we realize. So while all of this is happening, while all of these things are going on, we finally get to that last seal, the end. The end comes, and it does sound terrifying. I know, it it does seem terrifying, but it isn't terrifying to all of those who are clothed in the robe of righteousness. But this isn't good. I'm going to remind you of what those saints were saying. How long, O oh Lord, will you 
will you wait to do this vengeance? It's, it's not that they want the Lord to destroy the people, but to destroy the sin, to have the world back the way it's supposed to be, to have relationships and people back the way we were supposed to be, the, the original design of creation without any sin, without any pain or suffering or death. That's what the Lord is, is, is going to restore, and the saints are crying out. And this is an important point for Christians to remember. It isn't ours to execute the judgment on sinners. No. It isn't our job to do the punishing of sinners. And not even the punishing of sin. See, it's our job to forgive. That's what we do. If we are going to live like Christ, then we will do as Christ did, which is to pardon sin and forgive sin. These four horsemen of the apocalypse bring the consequences of sin with them. Just as the same way in my life, I have, I have sin in my heart that brings consequences with it. The Lord doesn't destroy me. The way the Lord deals with my sin is to pardon it and not hold it against me any longer. But it's our urge always as Christians, when someone sins against us or just in general, we want to point fingers and say, you must be punished for this sin. You must wear this. You must take consequence for this. We look to execute what might be a fair judgment, which is you sinned. Fair enough. All of us do. But the saints say, not let us loose on those sinners, Lord. Let us go get them. But rather he says, I will bring this to an end. So that's super unsatisfying but good answer <laughs> that I have for you today on this great question. When it comes to the end, and then that idea that we just heard of all of these terrible things that will continue to happen until the end, that question, of course, one of the many, but the question for today is, why do all of those bad things happen to good people? There's a really good answer and it isn't very satisfying. <laughs> the good answer is, all of those things only happen to sinners. That's it. The bad news is, <laughs> we're sinners. So it's going to happen to us. There's this strange sense of almost like a, a community consequence, if you will, which we're not unfamiliar with. I mean, how many of us were in a classroom where there was some kid who wouldn't be quiet the entire time, and the teacher says, if you're not quiet, the whole class has to stay in. You guys were in, those, you were in my class, because I was the kid who, yeah, that was me, right? I know that feeling. But even, even beyond that, I mean, nobody would blame a, a child born with fetal alcohol syndrome and say, this is your fault. No, it's, it's the parent. Or those children, even of the children of the abusive parent who suffer because of the damage that was caused in the family. This is the way sin works. It's invasive. It's pervasive. It gets into every nook and cranny of our lives. And it brings with us tyranny. It brings with it, as it, as it seeps into our existence from all of these places, it brings tyranny and, and murder and death and, and inequality. That's what it brings with it. But the Lord says, I am putting this to an end. 
You can't, you can't extinguish it from your heart. You can't take it out of your life personally, and nobody will ever be able to remove it from the earth forever, but the Lord does, and he will put it to an end. And this is why, as Christians, we war against it. Because he's already put it to death in us. He's already put it to death in us. You are, in a sense, one of those saints around the, the altar, crying out, how long, O Lord? And the answer that he will give to you is, in due time, which is unsatisfying, but it is from the Bible, so it's good. A little while longer. Keep on crying out. And this is how we war against the sin that's in this world, is we cry out against it. We point it out. We don't justify it. We, we don't make apologies or excuses for it. We don't execute the judgment against it. But absolutely, do we say, this is wrong, this is evil, this is unjust, this is unfair, and, and we cry out to the Lord, put this to an end. Bring this to completion, Lord, on the last day. Yes, for sure, but now bring this person to faith. Give to them new life. Put the robe on them or all of them or whoever, whatever situation it is, that's how we war against it. We will never raise enough funds to solve world hunger across the planet. We will never stop wars in Ukraine. We don't have what it takes. I can't give you the, the armaments, the weapons, the resources to go fight against Russians? Are you crazy? No, this is what we do. We cry out and we say, how long, O oh Lord, because these people hurt. These people are in pain. These people suffer. And then we go to them and we suffer with them. That same pain, the same suffering, the same brokenness. And why? Because those horsemen are in us. And, and it's been dealt with in us by our Lord. And we got that robe. And they can too. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to receive the blessing and prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the robe of righteousness that you place on us making us victors, conquerors over death. We know, O oh Lord, on that last day, you will raise us up to eternal life and salvation. And between now and then, I pray that the voices of your saints in heaven and on earth cry out against the atrocities of sin as we recognize it as a part of our lives and in us, but as we also recognize its, its defeat and removal from us by the power of your blood. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.